0: Welcome to Bringing Reading Back, a virtual book club podcast where we hope to rediscover our love of reading. Now you're listening to a pre-pod episode. This means that tomorrow we'll be releasing our more in-depth discussion of this book. However, if you can't be bothered to read it before then, we're going to tell you the summary now. So stick around and BRB for now. everybody and welcome to the pre-pod episode of the handmaid's tale by margaret atwood why don't we go ahead and jump into our summary oh i'm tori by the way joined by my co-hosts hey i'm Danielle and jade now let's jump into the summary (laughs) Mm -hmm. just got so excited as always, our book
1: of choice does not have a single plot line that you can follow from beginning to end um, with clarity. It is our main character, Offred, and stream of consciousness. So as she's experiencing things, as she thinks things, as she remembers things, it just kind of all blurs together. Um, to create this story. So you kind of have to follow her jumps and spins and turns and twists um, to get where we're going. But as always, we've done our best to put it in order to make the most sense. So Handmaid's Tale is a dystopian fiction novel that leads us to a place called Gilead. So we don't find out um, right at the beginning. We find out actually like, significantly later on that Gilead is the name uh, of where this place is, but it is clearly not the United States that Alfred has come to know um, in her lifetime. It's different just because the structure obviously is different, which we'll talk about, um, but all of the m- names of streets, everything has been taken down um, and a different government has been put into place so the United States government has been taken over by a right wing did it sit up say they're right wing I'm assuming
0: no but we can assume it's a, a fundamental extremist group of conservative Christians okay a very Perfect. much a fringe group
1: fringe yes okay Sounded like you said French. (laughs) Um,
0: Fringe that has become the main—I mean, a huge political group, though. Yes. Yes. So beyond Um, fringe now.
1: Yeah. So they slowly, they slowly come to power. I think as any radical group normally does um, by convincing just enough people, and then they put the constitution on hold, um, and then eventually they abolish the constitution, and then they take over. When they take over. Women don't have the right to own any money, property, or anything. Um, everybody is classified into a level that they're, quote, qualified for. So if you are part of the overtaking of the, the traditional government and you are now part of the new regime, you get commander status. Um, and your wife, if you are married, gets, you know, uh, commander's wife status. If you are a single woman who can reproduce, you are turned into a handmaid. So many gray areas in between. If you are functional and can be a help to the um, new regime, you could be put into the econo class, which is essentially just people who do um, work around the town, um, but they are allowed to have their own families. You could be turned into a guard so or an I, which is uh, protective services essentially uh, for the people in power. And then Martha's are women who can cook and clean, um, but not reproduce, and also are probably too old to have a family of their own. With that being said, our main character, Alfred is a handmaid. She was married at the time, but she was caught trying to escape with her already-born daughter, who was three? Four?
0: Something like that. She was young.
1: And they get caught, they are separated, and all the children are replaced in the, quote, proper homes, so not those of sluts is a word that is pretty, pretty commonly thrown around by any woman who has had sex outside of marriage in this book, or had sex really ever with anybody except her one husband. And then she is put into this servitude of being a handmaid, and we pick up with her second appointment to a, to Commander Fred, which is where she gets her name, Fred of of fred um literally of and then the name of the person so handmaids don't have permanent names they get a name a new name with each commander that they are paired with until they either produce a baby or don't produce a baby and are re allocated i guess to a new commander relocated um, Mm -hmm. relocated, i think it's after two years something like that
0: i think so yeah
1: i've been talking for quite a bit so
2: Okay, so we're talking a little bit about handmaids and kind of what they have to do, the things that they're required to do. So it's important to note that in this new society, um, the color of a person's clothing is is huge. Like, it's highly symbolic. So handmaids have to wear red. Um, they wear dre- red dresses at all times that go all the way down to the ends of their wrists. Um, and, like, people can't see their ankles. Uh, they have these things called white wings. So they're basically bonnets that they put over so they can only see straight ahead whereas the commander's wives wear blue uh the commanders themselves have a specific uniform martha's wear i think green i think that's the color that they wear and i think the guardians wear gray so everyone's got a different color code that they have to wear that kind of shows their station in society so Alfred or of red has to wear the red and the white wings um she's not allowed to look at men or really anyone in general, um, making eye contact is frowned upon. Uh, she has limited interaction with all people, but especially with men. She can only say certain things in conversation. So whenever she goes off to the market with her shopping partner or walking partner, they can only say certain things. So there's a greeting like, you know, one person says one thing and the other one responds with praise be, and then they talk about the weather and they, I mean, they go back and forth on very prescribed language these women aren't allowed to read. They aren't allowed to have, well, women in general aren't allowed to read um, unless they're one of the ants who are the hierarchy um, of training women to be handmaids. Um, but they're not allowed to read. They're not allowed to have access to sharp things because there have been women who have tried to kill themselves. So the room, the handmaid's room um, doesn't have a lot of things that one could commit suicide on. So the lamp from Alfred's room has been removed because a previous handmaid killed herself on it. Uh, The window only opens – actually, the window doesn't open. um, It has shadowproof glass, so she has very limited things that she's allowed to touch.
0: It opens. She's not
2: allowed to smoke. Just not very close. It It opens, like, this much. Yeah, like, three inches or something ridiculous. Like, like those hotel windows, the windows in dorm rooms, Um, it's very limited on how much it can open. So, yeah, they can't read. They can't do any of those things. Like, her life is very prescribed as a handmaid, um, very limited. So there are a lot of women who try to get out of it because they don't enjoy their station. But anyway, whenever a handmaid is moved into a commander's house, it's because the commander's wife is unable to have children. Um, there's this concept that men men are not the ones who are infertile, it's always the women. Um, So if one woman doesn't work, we bring in another. So it's this idea of... Rachel and Leah and bring in their servants to have children. So whenever a woman can not have children due to all the toxic chemicals that are going around in the air, a handmaid is brought in and she is basically the one who participates in this ceremony with the wife. Um, And this ceremony is where the wife reads um, a certain section of the Bible and then it's immediately or the husband reads. I'm sorry. The wife doesn't read because that's not what they do. The husband reads a certain section of the Bible. He reads the story of the handmaid and the instance of Rachel and Leah. Then he locks it up again so that nobody else can touch it. Um, And then they have this ceremony where the handmaid lays on the bed. the wife She lays her head on the wife's pelvis, and the wife holds her hand. And then basically the husband has sex with the lower half of her body as a surrogate for his wife. So, and that's their ceremony that happens every two to three weeks. And that's basically the life of a handmaid. You go for walks, you say certain things you aren't allowed to read, and then you lay between a woman and her husband while he has sex with you. So, and you hope to get pregnant. So that's kind of the information that Offer gives us. Um, She's telling us, like, this is what happens and this is what's going on. But sometimes whenever things go really, really well, a handmaid gets pregnant. And then everyone is excited. So there's a handmaid named of Warren, um, or her real name is Janine. And she gets pregnant, and she's giving birth. So the handmaids are picked up in this thing called the birthmobile, which is like an ambulance. Um, they're taken to this home, and they stand around, around Janine chanting um, and just assisting her and reminding her what she needs to do as she gives birth to this child. And she actually gives birth to the baby, like, sitting underneath the wife of her commander. So it's this whole weird thing where it's it's like the baby is being pushed out of the wife's body, even though it's being pushed out of the handmaid's body. So it's just kind of an interesting, it's a very interesting dynamic in the households and how they decide to have children. Children are very precious to this community. And so the handmaids are reminded while they're at the Red Center training, um, they're reminded that they are doing... They're the boots on the ground. They're the soldiers going in and doing the hard work for the next generation.
0: I don't think we've stressed that at this point in the history of the world, um, it's been alluded to a little bit, but I, I'm going to stress that the birth rates are extremely low, uh, whether that be to human sin or, as they would put it, the sins of women. <laughs> As they've moved out of the home and have lived on Christian lives, or whether that be the uh toxic chemicals from um, nuclear spills or what have you uh fertility rates are plummeting, and so that's why babies are so precious uh Alfred even relives her own um daughter's birth when she was married previously. And people were even outside of the hospital cheering her on, I guess you would say. And then um, I think the babies, there were other babies in the hospital that didn't make it, and hers was one that did. So that is one reason why the, the children are so precious to this community, the world really. And Danielle had previously mentioned the Red Center. This is another flashback that offered details to us of the her reintegration or integration, I guess, into Gilead when they take over um, the women that are captured and unfit to be wives, Econo wives or Martha's, because um, they were previously proved to be fertile but also were previously proved to be um, improper or sluts because they had babies at a wedlock or maybe babies from a second wedding or a second marriage, which Gilead doesn't recognize because it's not biblical to be divorced. And so she explains that she, after she is captured while trying to escape Gilead into Canada, they take her to... Kind of a re-education center where the ants beat into the girls how they're supposed to act now, and she does meet up with her college friend there. Moira through some difficulties and Moira's just a unable to submit to this. Moira actually ends up uh, running away and she succeeds and so offred off at this time doesn't know what happened to her friend because she never returned to the red center even after offred herself graduated from the red center and was placed in the home of her commander but um i'm not really sure how long she has been placed in off or uh, in fred's home but eventually her commander sends a message through his driver, Nick. Nick and Alfred meet by chance when they are both kind of stalking around the house at night, which they are not supposed to be doing. Alfred is not supposed to be out of her room, but she runs into Nick. They end up sharing this intimate moment where they kiss. And then right after that, Nick says, he wants you to come see him. Meaning that the commander wants her to come to his study where women are not allowed even his wife so she is terrified and finally she goes and visits him i think it's the day after the birth of um or janine's birth of warren's birth
1: wasn't it the day of
0: it might have been that she night be it might have um, it might have yeah. been that night yeah so she goes down after worrying about what's going on and she is ushered into his study, and he asks her to play Scrabble with him, <laughs> uh, which she finds hilari- hilarious. But she knows that this gives her power over him because she he definitely wants something from from her. And she knows that when you have desires, you have weaknesses. So after multiple multiple visits with him in his study where he has hal- allowed her to do things that are completely forbidden like read and use hand lotion he finally says I'm going to take you out and presents her with a very skanky dress <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like <laughs> it's a uh, sequins show sequin party um and feathers and stuff and and very very tall heels and then he they disguise her with one of uh serena joy which is his wife in one of her cloaks and they he ushers her off to this to the city where they go to a nightclub called jezebel's
1: they're at Jezebel's and he has her wear this little bracelet on her hand and he's like don't worry nobody else will do anything like you're taken um so we can assume that there's some sort of like system um in place for women but we don't know quite what it is yet and then we find out that Jezebel's is like a throwback to the time before Gilead so there's tons of women um willing to do lots of sexual things with the people who come, um, and the people who come are all commanders and more high up powers in the Gilead uh, regime, and so she meets Moira there and asks her, you know, like, how'd you get here? And it turns out that, um, there's like another area that women can be found uh, beneficial in, and that's if you are just willing to have lots of un- unregulated sex with the, essentially the commanders of Gilead for whenever they just want to. So they show up, they get drunk, they smoke, they partake in illegal or illicit sexual activities, um, and then they go home, but you're, you're the women are still Jezebel's. And so her and Moira get to talking. Moira had got caught after escaping from the Red Center, and then... Um, loses some of her, kind of like her will to escape, um, and Offred says, hey, you know, you, you need to keep that up, you need to keep your spirit up, you need to do something. And then we have no idea what happened to her because that's the only time Offred ever sees her, um, and if I'm correct, she's pretty irritated with Commander Fred when they go back up to the, because it's a big hotel, they go back up to the hotel room, do they end up, they don't end up,
0: uh, having relations.
1: They do, okay, they but do, unhappily. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's very like, yeah. it's not what Fred wanted because it was, he wanted to have like this close, intimate relationship, which was the reason he'd been bringing her into his office in the first place. Um, to hopefully have like, I think, like intimate sex later on. Um, and this, that does not seem to be the case in the hotel. It is just the normal, uh, un. Unintimate. Uh, I don't know another word for that, but it's it's Impersonal. not the close cuddly sex. <laughs> Impersonal. Yeah, that he that he is desired. So, anyways, they return home, and um, at this time, Serena Joy also wants a baby. Right, that's the commander's wife. She has a severe dislike for handmaids, but she's like, "Hey, why don't you, Alfred, sleep with our driver, Nick?" um to provide me a baby. Nick and Alfred do end up sleeping together multiple times. They they form a pretty close relationship. At one point, Alfred returns home, Serena Joy is waiting at the door, and she is on fire because there's makeup inside of her cloak and she knows that Commander Fred had been taking Alfred to Jezebel's, which he had done previously with the handmaid that came before Alfred also named Alfred, but had done with the previous handmaid, and then she'd ended up killing herself, um, and he had promised to Serena Joy that he wouldn't do that anymore, he understood it was wrong, um, and then he is doing it again. So the whole time, obviously an issue, Alfred goes up to her room, and then we have the eyes come to the house, and they take Alfred away. So the eyes are essentially like a spy, um, a group of spies that work for the regime of Gilead. If you are, if they, if anyone finds out that you're a doctor, or that you um, had an illicit relationship or multitude of other things, this, the eyes will come take care of you. And they usually take care of you by killing you and then hanging you on the, uh, on the wall in town. So everyone can see you and your punishment. Um, but the eyes come and get offered and the book ends, at least like in form, informally ends with Offred being skirted away in a van um, no idea where she's going and just Nick saying trust me and go with them."
0: Uh, Nick makes this claim like hey the eyes are not really the eyes, they're a part of Mayday, which is the secret rebel um, resistance that a, f- a handmade friend that that Offred creates this bond with, Ofglen. Um, was a part of this resistance and tells Alfred about and so nick mentions hey they're not really the eyes taking you they're a part of mayday so essentially we're we're left with the thought in this final chapter from offred we're, we're left with the idea that maybe she's getting out through this underground resistance
2: so the end of the book um takes a shift from the story And it's actually a symposium um, that happens after, like, 21, or it's around 2175, I think, or 2150, years after the fact. I don't remember exactly the year that it was, but it's basically a seminar or symposium on the people of Gilead, so the people who are featured in the book, the places that are featured in the book. Um, And it's this professor who has really, he's studied the culture of the people, he's used what records he can find. And then he comes across these tapes um, that were hidden somewhere along the, they call it the uh, female underground, which is where they sneak women out of Gilead. Underground he's talking Railroad. About the fact, yes, it's the Underground Railroad for women. And he's talking about the fact that the tapes that they found, the woman never gives her name. Uh, they know that she's a handmaid. They don't ever, she doesn't ever give her real name. Um, I take that back. He makes a comment that the names like Moira and Nick and Luke and Serena Joy could be fake names to protect these families, Um, but they've actually figured out that she's called Fred because they traced it down to two families who were involved in a certain level of intelligence um, or weather mapping or whatever it was that her commander did. They traced down through the records to see, okay, well, it could only be two people. This one died of this and this one x y and z like they were trying to figure out certain things about about the different handmaids um but it's really it's really fascinating where he talked about like these people believe this and they did this and they were sophisticated sophisticated in x y and z but in this like yada 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 he never mentions what their downfall was uh which i thought was really interesting but basically we're told in this portion that the thing that we just read was actually recorded on the tapes by a handmaid and then left somewhere and we still don't know what happened to her we don't know why she left the tapes we don't know if anyone found them and really we aren't sure which order they're in because they weren't marked in any way they were just recorded onto cassettes and just left um which makes sense whenever you look back at the book saying oh well there's this oh, one second she's talking about Jeanine giving birth and then all of a sudden she's talking about her life before gilead happened so it's really really fascinating Um, it's really interesting and I love the fact that it ends with symposium
1: so with that join us tomorrow to listen to the handmaid's tale actual podcast where we'll be doing our traditional character breakdown with 30 second synopses and all of that jazz brb
0: brb brb for now